Welcome to the Third Ear Podcast, where we discuss theories, thoughts and themes relative to the career pursuits of innovators and future leaders within the creative and business industries. Welcome, welcome, broader conversation of design. But in a broader way, that emphasizes the need for humility and values for continuous improvement by studies female frontrunners who are unapologetic about taking up space in the world of enterprise Joining me today is Anna, an avid reader, VIBM student, graphic designer, and typography enthusiast. We'll be diving into the intriguing world of design and its intricate relationship with politics. Our focus, the thought-provoking book, Politics of Design by Ruben Pater. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you, Victoria. The book we'll be discussing is organized with mini essays sorted by the formal elements of graphic design, language and typography, color and contrast, image and photography, symbols and icons, and information graphics. The book explores how design is not just about aesthetics, but is deeply involved with power dynamics. It delves into how design choices, whether in graphics, architecture, technology, reflect societal structures, ideologies, and political systems. It challenges us to think beyond the surface and recognize the political nature present in every design decision. Tell us something interesting about typography the book has taught you so far. In the language and typography chapter, a few interesting points about translation fails are made. Firstly, it mentions that when brands are translated in Chinese, it's done so phonetically, which creates new meanings. The brand Coca-Cola translated itself wrongly in 1928, which led to disappointing sales. Later, they came up with a more fitting translation, which was happiness in the mouth. This teaches us to always consider the way people read in different countries. Then, it talks about political mishaps. During her world tour in 2015, Taylor Swift had 1989 TS sweatshirts available to purchase. This was seen as inappropriate in China because it could have been interpreted as the 1989 Tiananmen Square incident, which was heavily censored in Chinese media. The marketing team that was responsible for creating this merchandise was unaware of this incident, which led to the Taylor Swift merch being banned with the TS logo. This reminds me of something similar happening recently. Zara's campaign, The Jacket, was heavily criticized on Instagram due to showing inappropriate images. Viewers saw the campaign as something very offensive because of the ongoing Palestine and Israel war. An apology was posted on their Instagram, stating that it was a misunderstanding, but customers were not happy, stating that they will never shop at Zara again. As a big company, Zara should have been more careful about putting their customers' feelings and needs first when posting sensitive content. Later on in the chapter, it shows examples of Arabic adaptations for, lo- for Latin logotypes. My takeaway from that chapter is to always test your designs with speakers of the intended language when working with non-Latin text. An example of that is when Nike released shoes in 1997, featuring a flame-shaped Nike Air logo that looked like a lot like the word Allah in Arabic script. The Muslim community was reasonably upset and Nike banned the production of these shoes. They also issued an apology and promised to deepen their understanding of the Arabic script to prevent similar problems in the future. How do you wish to apply this to your own practice? By reflecting on what I've learned from the language and typography chapter, there are several key takeaways that can can be applied to my own design practice. Firstly, cultural sensitivity. When working on global projects or campaigns, it's crucial to be aware of historical events and what is going on in the world today. Being up to date with the news, even if I'm not very interested in politics myself. Secondly, 
use a testing with native speakers. The recommendation to test designs with speakers of the intended language is invaluable. The practice ensures that language adaptations, especially for non-Latin scripts, are accurate and culturally appropriate. Incorporating user testing into the design process helps identify potential issues early on and allows for adjustments to be made before the final release. And lastly, learning from past mistakes. The examples of Nike shoe controversy demonstrates the importance of learning from past mistakes, acknowledging errors, issuing sincere apologies, and taking corrective actions are crucial steps in maintaining a positive brand image. This emphasizes the need for humility and a commitment to continuous improvement in the design process. Interesting takeaways. Thanks for that, Anna. How do you think this contributes to the broader conversation of design, innovation and brand management then? I think it's important for all designers and creatives to consider the world when making design choices. Aesthetics aren't the only thing to think about. Designers have a responsibility to create content that is not only visually appealing, but is also ethical and considerate of its impact on individuals and communities. This involves staying informed, questioning assumptions, and actively seeking to avoid harm through design. I would really recommend this book. It covers so many different topics in a short and interesting manner. It's playful, smart, and an enlightening read. Thank you for joining us on this exploration of the book, Politics of Design. If you found today's discussion interesting at all, make sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode. Until next time, this is Victoria, signing off.